year of all of our lives if we're willing to go there. Now, it's that time of year where, according to all the pollsters, about 45% of Americans make New Year's resolutions. How many people made a New Year's resolution last year? Oh, you guys are way... Pollsters say 45% of you do. Um, you guys are a little bit on the low side. You think about, <laughs> should you make a New Year's resolution? Uh, the five most popular New Year's resolutions are this. A fifth place. Take up a new hobby or learn something new. Fourth, get out of debt. Third, more quality time with family friends. Two, stop smoking or drinking. And most popular, number one, you guys got it. Lose some weight, get in better shape. Number one, New Year's resolution. And yet we know that by early spring, most of us forgot what our New Year's resolution was, yet alone kept it. Only 12% of people that made a New Year's resolution last year actually followed through with it. And that statistically, uh, so most people that, that make a New Year's resolution, only 12% of those people that make the resolution follow through. And statistically, that's probably why since 2005, it, um, there's actually a 25% drop of people actually making a New Year's resolution itself. So the number of people, which is reflected here quite well, um, <laughs> people aren't even making them nowadays. Uh, but even when we do keep our New Year's res resolutions, uh, we notice that we never really get to the deeper issues, like behind the resolutions we're making. So we want to lose weight or stop smoking, but we don't want to deal with like why we're overeating or why we're overdrinking. In other words, our Resolutions are often limited to the outside, our external worlds, our outer world, rather than our inner inner worlds, our inner heart issues. So you know what I'm talking about, right? Like the outer you, like your skin, hair, face, body, versus like the inner you, your character, who you really are, like where your heart's at, your spirit. The first is temporary, the second lasts like forever, like eternally. So um, five years ago, my daughter Haven, she's right here in the front row. I asked her if I could share this story. But she got all dressed up one day, and she had this new dress, and she put it on, and she brushed her hair, and she had sparkly shoes, and she came waltzing out, and she said, Daddy, don't I look so pretty? And my heart melted. I said, oh, my gosh, you are so cute. You are so beautiful. And then it was one of those dad moments where you realize, you know what, she's asking a question, but the real question that's behind this question is something else. And I said, sweetie, yes, you are beautiful, but guess what? The real haven, the real you is absolutely gorgeous. Your heart is so good. Your character is being developed. You love people. And I see that inner heart, and that's the real you. That real you is gorgeous. And I love who you are becoming. Your heart and your character and your sweet spirit, you are gorgeous. Well, in First, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, Paul talks about the outer you. He says, he says this, outwardly we are wasting away. A pleasant passage, right? 
first passage going into the new year, uh, Paul talks that, about that outer you here. And if you have any doubts whether this is true or not, just look at your neighbor. Just take a look. Look at the person next to you. From about the age of 25 on, certain things start to kick in in our lives. Like bones start to lose their calcium. Skin starts to lose its elasticity. You get, start to get wrinkles. Age spots begin to multiply. You start losing brain cells, 10,000 a day. Weights start shifting from the north and south poles of your body towards the equator. <laughs> Hair stops growing in places where you want it and starts boldly going to places where it's never gone before. So I knew I was full-blown wasting away when I got not one, but two nose hair trimmers for Christmas. I knew it. I'm toast. So as Paul said, like it or not, we are wasting away. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Now, I know that some of you are in like your late teens or your 20s, and you're still saying, John, that'll never, Pastor John, that'll never happen to me. Look it. Like, I, life's good. At some deep, deep subconscious level, you're saying, that'll never happen to me. And you're thinking, I'll never grow old like you. <laughs> and guess what? Those of us who are older, we want you to know and we understand we love you, but it's going to happen to you. And frankly, we're actually excited that's going to happen to you too, <laughs> right? We're looking forward to it. So listen, guys, you could do whatever you want to that outer person. You can exercise it, Rogaine it, Botox it, stretch it, nip it, lift it, tuck it, tan it, dress it up. But guess what? Old man Wrinkle's going to find you. He just does. He finds every one of us. It's okay. Needless to say, it's difficult, though, when the outer you isn't what you wish it would be, especially when we live in a culture like ours that puts so much emphasis on externals, on outer appearance. You know that God sees things very differently? God sees things very differently. Um, 3,000 years ago, God sent a prophet named Samuel to anoint somebody that's going to be king over Israel. And basically, here's what happens, guys. Samuel, um, God gives Samuel basically the address and the name of the father, Jesse, but he doesn't give him which of the eight sons is going to be king. And so... The problem is he goes to, to Jesse's home, and Jesse has eight sons. And so when Samuel arrives at the house of Jesse, he sees one of Samuel's sons that's so impressive. Tall, handsome, a beefcake, okay? And here's, 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 sorry. Here's what he says. So this is Samuel. This is a prophet, okay, in the Old Testament. And the prophet sees this handsome, amazing man, and he says, surely this is the man. This has got to be the guy. This has got to be the king that God chose. And you know what God says? God says, but God says to him, do not consider his appearance or his height, for he is not the one. And I would imagine Samuel saying, what? So I thought it was so obvious. And the Lord does not look at things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
That's 1 Samuel 16, 6 and 7. So our society falls over people whose outer appearance is judged to be attractive. It's as if they've done something to deserve it. Everybody from Paris Hilton to the Kardashians, even our kids' stories, guys, from the time we were really little, imagine, think about the kids' stories. The prince is not drawn to Cinderella because of her great personality. Right? <laughs> Snow White and Sleeping Beauty both have men fall in love with them while they're comatose. <laughs> think about that. Think about how much time you give to taking care of the outer being each and every day. The outer being just this outward shell, not the real you, right? But think about how much time um, every day that we do that. Now, John, I get it. John, I, I get it. We live in the real world. We've got to get ready for work. We've got to go to school. We've got to do life, right? Um, but still, how much time do you give to taking care of the outer you versus the inner you? Outer you versus the real you. I'd encourage you to spend just half the amount of time, effort and attention on your outer being as you do your inner being. Outer inner being as you do your outer being. Uh, just give half the amount of focus, half the amount of attention to the part of you that will live forever. Forever. Eternity. Now I know some of you are terrified. You're saying, but John, you don't understand. I get take 60 minutes in the morning to get all already and it takes me 30 minutes to take it all off in, at night that's like one half of that's like 45 minutes a day i could never do that what are you kidding what are you talking about well if that seems overwhelming to you adjust but don't ignore okay figure out what does it look like for you moving into this next year to focus on the real you the eternal you that's going to spend eternity with God, right? And are we preparing our hearts and lives for that? So, how do we focus more on developing the real you, the inner you, developing your heart? And I'm going to suggest that we take a posture of open hands. Developing a posture of open hands over this next year uh, to make this, I think we can make this the best year ever if we each develop this open hand posture towards God and towards our neighbors. So let me ask you, how many of you know what a monkey jar is? Okay. Um, so it's a jar with this narrow opening in the top, and you put something inside, and the monkey will put his hand in. Because it's an open hand, his hand fits in, but then the monkey grabs it, and has a clenched fist around what it wants. And because it has uh, made a fist with its hand, it can't get its hand out of the monkey jar. So it gets stuck. It gets trapped. This monkey's trapped all by itself. And all the monkey has to do is let go to have freedom and life. But the monkey doesn't. So this is, I want to show you this video. This is from when you're... Here's, um, I want to show you this video. This is from when I was really little. I was probably seven or eight when I saw this video. And I kept thinking, come on, just open up your hand, monkey. It's that easy. And the monkey does it. So here, here, here it is. Trip the volume, go. 
<laughs> it's so easy to get trapped. And all we have to do is let go and have open hands. That's it. It says we trap ourselves. In spite of our education, experience, we all find that it's pretty easy to get trapped, our hands stuck. And we won't get stuck if we simply open up our hands. And I want to say, Oh, we open up our hands by giving and serving. Giving and serving. Here is, um, here is John three sixteen. Probably the most sixteen and seventeen. Probably the most famous passage in all of the scriptures. For this is how God loved the world. He gave. This is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that. Anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. You see, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. Why? Because giving is what love does. It's how love expresses itself. Giving is the heart of God. It's what God is actually into. Uh, so many people think, that God is a taker. And God's not a taker. God is a giver. God's a giver. In the ancient times, in the ancient Mesopotamian culture, there was all kinds of small g gods that, were, that people created and thought of. And did you know that almost every, actually every single one, they believed that, that the gods had created them so that uh, to be, to be their servant, to, to get them food, and to satisfy, to satisfy them, all of their cravings. And why? Because the gods were viewed as takers. And yet in the midst of all these stories, the earliest pages of the Bible in Genesis, about who God is, we find out that this generous God says, now take it, enjoy it, it's yours. God's been giving from the very, very beginning. In James 1.16, we read, So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't be misled. 
He wanted them to not misunderstand the nature of God. That God was not a taker. So he goes on in verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from, from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. You see, God's generosity isn't just good, it's continual. It's perpetual. It's ceaseless. It's running after us all of our days. Each and every day, whether you're conscious of it or not, God is giving and giving. Why? Because he's a loving, giving God. That's who God is, a loving, giving God. Now, I know it doesn't always feel that way. Um, sometimes we're not on the receiving end all the time. Sometimes it feels like life gets pretty hard. And yet what made the first Christmas the best Christmas for God is that he got to give his only son for us, for me and you, to give us life. What if we were so filled up with the love of God that we became conduit of God's love to everybody around us? Everybody that we see, everybody that we run, in, everybody that we run into, from a grocery store to restaurants, everybody that we ran into, we were just these big conduits of God's love. What if? What if we had open hands this next year? Blessing those people around us, those who are under-resourced or hurting or don't have hope or have experienced loss. What if we noticed people like never before? What if our eyes were open to see people around us? What if we're so filled with the, with the love of God that we could see, pray for, and then just help, listen, be with, give to people, whoever we run into, whoever has a need? What if we were to express massive amounts of compassion this next year? What if, God? What if we were to express those things in concrete, tangible, real, personal, sometimes even costly ways? What if? Acts 20, 35 has one of the most profound teachings that Jesus ever uh, gave, and it's penned by the Apostle Paul. Here's what uh, he said, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, to be blessed means to be enriched, enhanced, given more life. And this is something as human beings, it's profound because we don't believe this. Even sometimes as God's people, we actually don't believe this. Do you believe that by having open hands, by serving and giving, that you will have a better, more enriched life than holding on. And it's like this profound, it's that upside-down kingdom. It's the opposite of the way the rest of the world functions. Jesus is saying it's a better way to live, being a giver than a taker. It's a better way. Okay, everybody that's on this side, okay, you guys ready? Um, you're going to express yourself in the posture of giving. Okay, so I just want you to have open hands just like this. Just leave them like that in your hands. Yep. You guys don't do that. You guys are another group, okay? <laughs> okay, so just hold your hands out. You are having a posture of open hands, a posture of giving, okay? The posture of not holding on, not grasping. You're ready. You're not clinching. You're not striving. You're just letting go. 
letting go. Because this is the life with open hands. God, you're so giving. And because I have your love just freely flowing through me, I can just, I, I can receive from you and I'm able to give away because my hands are just open. Now keep them up like that, okay? Now this side, you guys are the taker side. You ready? So, um, you guys just keep your hands up. So this is the giver side. This is the taker side. So for the taker side, I just want you to clench your fists together. Hold them nice and tight. Make a fist. Now keep holding that just for a minute. And this is a picture of hoarding and holding on to. And God have it. And mine, mine, mine. Now keep doing that. Just hold that. Now notice how these position you. Okay, relationally to those around you. The giver side, over here, your hands, what are your hands communicating? They're communicating caring and loving, and you're able to serve, and you're able to love your neighbors yourself. You just have open hands, right? If you see a need, you can actually just, you can pull your wallet out and help. You can pray for somebody. You're ready at any given moment to meet people's needs. You're ready to receive from God as well, right? You're ready to express love and compassion. On the other hand, over here, you guys still clench your fists? Or you're, how are you positioned relationally? You know how they're positioned? Yeah, they're ready to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> okay, everybody can let go now, okay? <laughs> so here's what Jesus is saying. It is better. You are more blessed to do this than to do this. You are more blessed to do this than to do that. It's a better way. Life will be more enhanced when you do this versus this. So there's a study done by students who were divided into two groups again. And one of the groups, there were students helping tutor other students. Uh, helping, just they were a couple grades younger, but they were helping other people out. And so... Um, they didn't do anything except they started to serve some kids that were a couple grades younger than them. And they put them into this study. And this other side, this other group, in the same school, they had them not serving, not volunteering, not doing anything, okay? They were lived like closed fists versus open hands over here. And so the students who were in the serving group were less likely to get involved in substance abuse less likely to get pregnant as teenagers, more likely to have higher esteem, more likely to go to college, and 12 times more likely to graduate from high school. Okay? Again, they were serving, not being served. They were helping, not being helped. Okay? You see, Jesus knew what he's talking about. It is better to give than to receive. Uh, by the way, parents, one of the best things that you can do for your kids is to help them find places to serve along your side. One of the best things. So I think everybody should plan sending your youth to Mexico this next summer. If you've got youth. Or uh, go to Helping Hands. Uh, I, I try to take my kids as, as often as I can. It's Sunday afternoons, once a month. We go serve. And it's amazing. And most of the time, I kind to be really honest, I kind of go dragging my feet a little bit. But then I go there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. It is, because it is better to give than to receive. 
We just go feed people. Pray for a couple people. That's it. So, there was another study done with older folks in their 80s who volunteered with kids. Volunteer in kids ministry, right? Uh, they had a higher level of life satisfaction, higher level of mental health, less illness, less loneliness, less depression than those who did not serve. Why? Because whether you're young or old or somewhere in between, it is better to give than to receive. It's how God created his kingdom, the opposite of the way the rest of the world works. Because God has created you uniquely, and if you don't make your unique contribution to the church, to the kingdom, it won't be made. This year, guys, this going into this next year, we need everybody to jump in with whatever gifts God's given you to jump in, whether it be praying for people, whether it be serving, whether it be whatever that is for you, how use your gift of hospitality, use your gift of shepherding, use your gifts that God's wired you for the betterment of God's kingdom. The world will be different because you stepped in. Jesus never limited ministry to himself. Jesus did ministry really good. And yet he gave it away to not only the 12, but also the 72 and then the 120. And then the church, he just gave away ministry. And that's what, that's what the pastors are here for. We want to give ministry away to you guys so you can use your gifts for the betterment of God's church and the kingdom. If you want to really grow, spiritually grow, jump in. You will find your spirit coming alive. When your hand comes out of the monkey jar, God's at work. Your hands open. Life will be enriched and enhanced for you. You will become a blessing like never before. So let's make this the best year ever. And if we can just remember, going into this next year, let's have a posture of just open hands. To give, to serve, to just follow Jesus in the smallest, littlest of things, saying, God, here we are, your people. Your people. So, um, I have a couple practical tips. And then today, our kids' ministry and our youth ministry, they're going to be on the prayer team. And they would love to pray for you this morning, okay? Because we believe that kids and youth can do ministry, right? Okay, so here is the first one. Number one, adopt a posture of living with open hands. It is better to give than to receive. Put a line item in your budget called the Bless Others Fund and pay for somebody's coffee behind you at Starbucks in line. So if you ever, you can just simply... You're in the drive-thru, and you can say, you know what? I want to, the person that's behind me, I want to pay for them. And it might be $4, or $10, I don't know. Maybe $100, I don't know. But, but what if you just started figuring out ways to bless other people, okay? So, um, so start looking for ways to bless others in your life. Um, offer the homeless a meal, or $5, or leave a $20 in a friend's car. Uh, open up your home, invite somebody over for dinner. When somebody uh, compliments something you have, offer it to them just for fun. Just, just be open-handed people. What if? What if we believe Jesus and said it's better to give than to receive? Let's just have open hands. Uh, be open to unique ways to serve other people going into this 
next year. Number two, spend time developing your inner spiritual life, your heart stuff, as uh, you do on your outer being. We tend to treat the symptoms and not the root. Let's work on this. So it could be five minutes or an hour, but it doesn't matter for you. How do you, how can you develop the real you? The, re, the eternal part of you, your spirit. How do you develop that over this next year? And the only way that we will develop is that we actually spend some time on that. And so whatever that looks like for you, I want to encourage you to jump into that. That's a really important thing. That's the part of you that lasts forever. Okay? So this is not meant to be legalistic. You only do what you can enjoy. This is really key. If you can't do something in joy, if it is miserable for you, you find a different way, okay? Sometimes the churches, like, we say, here's a cookie-cutter way to connect with God. Find a way to connect with God that really works with how you're wired. So don't neglect scripture. Don't neglect prayer. But some of you just need to, like, just put your iPod in and listen to scripture as you take a walk with Jesus. Just, that needs to be a little bit creative. Like, figure out how you can really connect and find joy in your connection with Jesus. And as you do that, the desire starts to grow more and more. Number three, find your gift mix, your spiritual gifts. You can all learn about yourself from the different personality tests too. This will give you a clue on how you're wired and designed by God. So here's some ideas of ways that you can have open hands and serve in our church. We're a ministry team. Now we want every single one of you at least trained. You don't have to be on the first team. But guess what? If kids can do it, you can do it. Right? Uh, you can jump into helping hands or kids ministry as a deacon. We're developing a new shepherding team to visit people in their homes, uh, in hospitals, stuff like that. But what if we just said, God, if we want to develop a posture of obedience? So let's all stand. And why don't we have our prayer ministry team, our kids and you, Come on up, and we're going to enter into some prayer ministry time, okay? And for our adults, if you want to partner with a kid or two, that's great.
understanding. My life is in the 